The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies, brought to you by Woodbine, the jewel of the north. Of course, we'll be covering a uh, Woodbine race this week, and it will be the 84th running of the Connaught Cup, going seven furlongs on the grass. I love that distance. It's a real niche distance. And going on the grass, hopefully the weather will be good. And uh, so Woodbine is our sponsor now on to our guests for this week and the first is uh, the man that headed up horse racing nation for so many years and it is brian zipsy i tuned into his site last night a little too late because it kept me up had a uh, a great feature going on with mr shipman and uh, it kind of covered uh, triple crowns of past and uh it was uh, mostly a, a video. It was a half-hour video uh, showing some of the great uh, Belmont stakes and some of the upsets, uh, and uh, you know, just kind of lent thought to what may or may not happen this year. Of course, uh, justify uh, going for uh, that Triple Crown effort, and uh, we'll see if we can get it done. But. Uh, Next uh, week, they have a section called Horse Center on that site, and they're going to analyze the whole. We're thinking a 12-horse field uh, for the test of the champion, mile and a half at Belmont. So he'll be giving out tips and everything. Of course, best tip in town is none other than winningponies.com. Going to our easy win forms. We're going to talk about some of our winners here in a minute. But before I do that, I want to talk about our first guest. He's been on with us a few times. I'm blessed to have him every time he comes on. None other than Hall of Famer Chris McCarron. There's not much he hasn't done in the world of racing. Uh, started out as the leading apprentice, went on to become uh, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, won Eclipse Awards, won two Kentucky Derbies, two Preaknesses, two Belmonts, then went on to get into management at, at Santa Anita. And when he decided it was time to maybe uh, get up early in the morning and uh, smell some liniment and leather, he went and founded NARA, uh, which, of course, is North America's only school for aspiring riders. Of course, it's an all-encompassing uh, academy. Uh, again, NARA stands for the North America Racing Academy. It's down in Lexington, Kentucky. It's part of the Kentucky Community and Technical College System. So you end up with a college degree. But depending on what side of the horse racing world you want to go into, uh, Chris developed a syllabus that addressed all uh aspects of racing, whether it be riding or it be a bloodstock agent or working on a farm. But now, then he took a little break from NARA and just came in as a guest speaker and a consultant. And uh, this guy just can't stand retirement. And he's back to work again, uh, 
he was uh, uh, hired by Team Valor International uh, to help bring new people into the sport and get involved with their uh, very successful partnerships that not only take place in North America, but overseas. So going to talk about Chris, about what got him out of his easy chair, not that he ever was in one, but uh, I always like to learn more from people who can communicate the excitement of thoroughbred racing. And Chris McCarron's the guy, and hopefully he's bringing new people uh, into our game. So Chris will be our our first guest right out of the gate. Before that, though, I want to remind you, good racing all over the place. Of course, it's Penn Nationals uh, Super Weekend uh, with, with Brian. And we're going to look at uh, the, the Penn Mile, grade two, half a million dollars. Now, this is limited to three-year-olds. But it is a mile on the turf. During our break, I'm trying to see if I can get over to a Pennsylvania weather map and see what it's going to be like. And uh, two races prior to that is the one-mile Penn Oaks, $200,000. That one for Phillies, of course, all Oaks are, as you know. And then out to Santa Anita, it's a small but stellar cast. Of course, one of the biggest upsets of the year already was unique Bella in the apple blossom when the gates flew open the I believe one to five shot just was unraveled and it took a while to get herself together and immediately uh, took Mike Smith right to the front Mike it looked like he was doing his best to kind of throttle her down but not you know fight her and uh, nonetheless was uh, used up a bit on the lead. And unbridled Mo upset Unique Bella after that bad start. Well, she's back on her home court at Santa Anita. She's had seven starts, six victories, and a second. In 10 starts, she's won 852000 In the grade one beholder mile, there's 400000 on the line. But... That's not to say she doesn't have competition. She's got two other horses for course. You've got Paradise Woods, uh, who loves Santa Anita. Six starts, three wins, and two seconds. And uh, always uh, has a 100 or mid-90 buyer figure. And then another horse for course, Val Dory, the Argentinian bred from the Baffert Barn. Rafael Bayerano will ride as Smith is going to stick with Unique Bella. Another horse for course. Eight starts, five wins, a second, a third, and really likes the one-mile distance. Four starts, two wins, and two seconds. So going to have to check to see if there's an upsetter in there. But what you might want to check are the easy win forms at winningponies.com. Because out at Santa Anita just a few days ago, we nailed a $1 super high five for $1,386. Of course, uh, the brief Pimlico meet, we're still capping that. It was only three days ago we took home a $1 Super 5 key that paid $1,643. And a few days before that at Pimlico, another $1 Super 5 key, $1,904. You can go to the Winning Pony site and see all of the results uh, that are that are listed up there of uh, some of our recent biggins, as they like to call them. All right, so... Uh, that's what we've got on the table for this week. Looking forward to talking to our guest. Now let's get to some of the news of the week. Hope you got to see. I mean, everything's on video now, so just be careful what you do. Unless your name is Justify. Justify, you know, it's one of those 
razor's edge things. How sharp do I keep my horse? Does he leave his race in the morning? Does this just mean he's a super horse and he's ready to roll again after the Preakness effort? <clears throat> Anyhow, that son of Scat Daddy, this was uh, just two days ago, five furlongs in 59 and three, his first workout since the Preakness Stakes. And so while that was uh, very impressive, it's uh, just, again, the way that he went through it, the motions, go back, watch the video, ears up throughout the whole effort without a notion of wasted energy. Uh, and he's going to try to race into the history books with a win in the Belmont today. As Baffert was quoted after the work, what we saw today was pretty incredible as he was watching the horse cool out. It is interesting to see how... Fewer crowds there are than Derby Week down there at Churchill Downs now. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Justify back on his toes and looks awful good. And I understand that he's going to race in the China Club horse silks in the Belmont Stakes and not the Windstar uh, silks. Well, that could be a potential champion. How about last year's two-year-old champion filly, Caledonia Road? She's progressing very well in uh, her training back to a top level company uh looks like she's pointing towards the june 6th acorn state seven hundred thousand dollar race for three-year-old fillies looks like she's going to face the oaks winner monomy girl and two-time grade one winner moonshine memories in her return so that won't be a gimme by any stretch of the imagination so we'll be keeping an eye out for caledonia road next week and see just how well uh, she does in there this is an exciting time of the year uh real quick uh jockey of the week jose ortiz who led by earnings and stakes wins gets the nod well uh let's see if i got one more tidbit of news before we get to last week's results uh, of course, uh, it looks like Maraud's going to be the big favorite in, in the, the Penn uh, race, the, the Penn Mile, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing Brian's read on that. Okay, last week, big races out at Santa Anita, the 79th running of the Gold Cup. Some great ones have run in this one, and we've got a horse who really stamped himself a future sire, a son of looking at Lucky called Accelerate. Did just that through the final furlongs. Accelerate was four wide on the turn and pulled away to win by four and a quarter lengths over Dr. Door, who uh, set the pace, a Baffert trainee there. Accelerate's trained by John Sadler. Victor Espinosa was in the saddle. Joe Talama was riding Dr. Door, led most of the way, but couldn't hold off Accelerate, who finished just ahead of uh, favorite City of Light, trained by Michael McCarthy, coming out of a win in the Oaklawn Handicap, Drayden Van Dyke in the saddle. Uh, then we went on and took a look at the Gamely, a grade one stake. Go back and look at this one, folks. This will get your heart beating. This was an exciting one. Uh, this race at a mile and an eighth at Santa Anita, grade one, $300,000. And getting up at 30 to 1, a perfectly timed race by Kent DeSormo. It was Sophie P., a British bred, who got up 
by a nose. Uh, I didn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't 30 to 1, paid $30 to win. I stand corrected. This was only Sophie P's second North American start. It was her fifth career win, and uh, she is trained by Jimmy Cassidy. So uh, Sophie P got the job done over Madam Dance a lot, uh, who finished uh, a neck uh, ahead of Madam Stripes. Hawksmore, the favorite off the board and then one more our friends up at woodbine put on the funky nassau grade two at a mile and uh the winner in there was nijan's eclipse a surprise winner who stole the race from flag fall to that's all under gary boulanger a second was the british bread bletchley and third was Guiana's Dream. So that's a look at the races that we handicapped last week. Right now, though, getting tied on for a visit from one of my favorite people in the sport of kings. And for a long time, he was the king of racing. None other than Hall of Famer Chris McCarron is going to join us. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Hall of Fame writer Chris McCarron. At the head of the show, I told you, he's uh, been there, done that at every level, from the uh, leading apprentice writer in North America uh, to a man that has won uh, 
all jewels of the Triple Crown twice. Uh, he's gone on to be in, inducted in, in, into the Hall of Fame. Uh, just uh, a, a, an absolutely amazing career. Uh, when uh, he finished as Thoroughbred Racing's all-time leader in purse earnings, of course, uh, that curve always goes up with the purses that we have now. Uh, then he was hired as vice president and general manager of Santa Anita Park. Uh, then uh, getting the itch to get back on horseback, he founded the North American Racing Academy. Uh, still serves, I believe, as an advisor and sometime adjunct professor there. But this is a guy that refuses to ride a rocking chair, that's for sure. And now he's taken on a new venture with Team Valor International. Chris McCarran, how does the day greet you? Hey, John. Very well, thank you. Very well. But you you forgot one thing in between when I retired from riding and that job at Santa Anita. I also worked on Seabiscuit for eight months. You forgot that yes. part. <laughs> I, and I shouldn't have. But I'm looking at a drawer right now that has that movie. That's one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, I have four copies. I spread them around. My, if I find out somebody hasn't watched it, uh, I develop it. And the, the great thing that you did on that film, Chris, uh, and it's something that bugs the heck out of me when I watch racing films, is continuity. When all of a sudden I'll see right. somebody riding down, the, you know, breaking from the gate with a horse with a big white blaze. Uh, the next time I see the horse on the back stretch, he's got blinkers on. And then coming from home, right. the blaze disappeared. And I, I, I right. just think that a continuity – and I don't want to make fun of any one movie, but, I mean, uh, you got to admit, Secretariat – you know, I mean, I loved it because it was about Secretariat. Otto Thorworth, one of my best buddies, was in the movie uh, as Ron Turcotte. But that movie it did things in racing that never happened. And I think you did an outstanding job. Uh, tell me, uh, were there times in the movie where you just said, whoa, whoa, do you mind if I step in here and give you a little advice? Uh, hot walkers, you lead a horse on the left side of the horse and not the right when you go to the paddock. Were there are instances of that where you maybe caught an inconsistency to make the movie even better? Um, there were a couple times, yes. Uh, number one, uh, when we first started, uh, Gary Ross, the director, also wrote the screenplay. The man is brilliant. And um, he wanted them to ride without helmets because they didn't have helmets back in 1938. Yeah. And uh, they, they didn't even have goggles. And I insisted that they, they have to wear helmets and goggles because it's just too darn dangerous. And I never slept as well as I did the night of the day that we shot the last racing scene because I, every day I was worried that a horse might clip heels or a horse might get hurt, a jock might get hurt. And uh, I, was, I was quite nervous on the set. But one of the things I took away from it, John, is to, to witness a man who knows how to reduce his thoughts to paper in the form of a script screenplay and then direct 225 people on the set every day to get his vision up on the silver screen. That was, to, to watch that unfold was absolutely amazing. But I got to tell you one funny story. When we were shooting the match race at Keeneland, it was very, very cold. And uh, I, my job was to select the horses that would be best suited for that particular scene. They, we had eight bay horses that played seat, Seabiscuit, and we had four dark black horses that played War Admiral. And uh, in the first take, we turned for home at Keeneland, and Gary, Gary Stevens looked over at me, and he says, so long, Charlie. He was playing George Wolf, and I was playing Charlie Kurtzinger. 
Right. And Gary Ross was adamant about the fact that we got to make it look real. He said, I want you guys down riding. You got to make it realistic. So we turned for home. He said, so long, Charlie. And I reached back and I hit my horse and my horse put a half a length in front. <laughs> and he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be dropping back, getting beat four lengths. I got to the wire and I was a neck in front. <laughs> so, so we go back to video village to re, uh, it's an area where they have the, uh, monitors that we can watch the replay of what we just shot. And Gary Ross comes over and he says, what the hell's going on? You know, the script, you're supposed to get beat four lengths. Well, you got to go out there and do it again. So we go out there and do it again. We got the same result. And now Gary Ross is steaming. You could see the steam coming out of his ears and he's cussing at me. And, uh, <laughs> what the hell's wrong? Can you, can you tell me what the hell's going wrong? And I said to him, what can I say, boss? I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just run for me. So we, we switched the horses up and on the third take, we finally nailed it. And, um, it was, it was an, I was a nervous wreck when, when we weren't getting it right. But in the end, we, um, we did get it right. So anyway. I, I'll be honest, Chris. I, I never even gave a thought to the helmets. I mean, so I'm glad you made the change for your safety. But I'm sure 99.9% of the audience never even gave that a second thought. Because they never yeah. saw anybody was, race without a helmet. You know what I mean? Right, right. There was no, one other no, time... We're at, we're at Saratoga, and there was a carpenter who was taking the hinges off a stall door uh, and reversing it so the stall door went into the stall instead of out of the stall. And I said, hey, whoa, 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 what are you doing? We don't have any stall doors that go in like that. And he says, well, the boss told me to do this. And I went to Gary, and I said, Gary, that's, that's not realistic. And he goes, he says, Chris, I know, but it's the only way we can get the shot. We have to have the cameraman move, move a certain way and... And that's the only way we can get the shot. So I said, okay. Nobody noticed it. Nobody, nobody noticed um, uh, a lot of things that should have been noticed. But anyway, it was a it was a great thrill thrill for me and an honor to have worked on the film. Uh, it, it was it was great. And I know that I, I do believe you guys were part of uh, innovative camera work in that. That there was camera equipment used that had never been uh, used that way and, and up close in racing scenes before. It made it just look so realistic. That's right. That's right. There was uh, there was some scenes at Santa Anita where they brought in this huge crane type of thing that they put the camera way up in the air. And the, that particular crane was developed by NASA, and it had, it had to have perfect balance so that the camera moved smoothly and stuff. And and uh, anyway, that that's history. Let's talk a little bit about the Belmont. Well, yeah, let's let's talk. Well, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about your new position at Team Valor. I know that they're an international organization. Are you going to have to do some travel overseas to try to hustle some new owners? Well, I hope to. I don't know exactly how much traveling I'm going to be doing. My job is to recruit new owners, and and uh, some friends of mine that live in Versailles here, right next to Lexington, uh, are going to jump in. They they met Barry Irwin in his office yesterday, and they're very excited about getting involved. Uh, Barry's got about 300 clients. Uh, he's got uh, dozens of partnerships. Uh, he's got about 35 horses in training right now to race. They've got, uh, many more horses that are, uh, mares are in full. He's got some yearlings and, um, they just reached a, a great milestone. They won their 300th stakes win at Santa Anita on, on Monday 
a very wow. nice filly called Be- Belvoir Bay, won her third stake at Santanita. This one was a grade two. And the great story about that filly is that she was involved in that bad fire at San Luis Ray Downs. Really? Um, she's, yeah, she sustained some serious injury. And uh, her trainer, Peter Miller, uh, really did a good job at rehabbing her. Uh, she went to the hyperbaric chamber a few times, and and uh, she's all healed up now. As a matter of fact, Barry posted a photograph of her hind legs with, with scars and, and uh, what looked like cuts and stuff that she sustained in that fire. But she's she's all healed well now. And like I said, she's won three stakes at Santa Anita. And um, she's going on. She'll probably run a grade one next time out. But they had a great weekend. They won a, a stake in, in France. I mean, in Germany. They finished third in a, in a gra- uh, graded stake in France. Uh, just got beat a nose for second with a filly called Go Rose. And... Um, uh, we went to Churchill on Monday. He ran two. We got in the winner's circle with first Premio. Uh, he won a nice allowance race, another horse was third in the allowance race. Uh, so I've got my picture taken with him twice over at Churchill Downs. We won a race on the Thursday before the Derby. Um, and he's rocking and rolling. He's been doing this for 40 years. He's been buying and selling horses for since the late 70s. They started out as Clover Racing Stable, and they, had, they beat Sunday Silence with Prize in 1989 in the Swap Stakes, and Prize went on to win the Breeders' Cup Turf the next year. Uh, they've had a lot of really nice horses, and you know, having won 300 stakes is is an amazing accomplishment. Well, uh, Chris, as I said briefly before we, we went on air, I, I, I but moving on, on to the Belmont Stakes is uh, you you've had a unique uh, emotional uh, view of the triple crown in, in that, uh, you were upset on Ali Sheba, but you were the man that upset silver charm. Uh, describe to me what, what it's like. Cause I'm sure, you know, your heart's got to be racing, you know, the elusive triple crown. Uh, what was it like to be on, on the losing end? And what was it like to be the upsetter? Well, it was devastating when um, when Ali Sheba didn't run his best race, and I didn't ride my best race. Uh, I wrote a, I made some uh, bad decisions during the running of the race. I took him. He broke well. He broke running, and I took him back. I shouldn't have taken him back. I should have just let him place himself. And if that was the case, I would have been laying a lot closer to the pace, and I would not have gotten shut off at the middle of the turn. I was trying to get through on Gone West, and Eddie Maple squeezed me a little bit, and I had to steady. And that that incident cost me second money. And had we finished second, even third, uh, we would have won the the points and got the million-dollar bonus. But um, uh, I felt really bad for a long time after that because I cost the owner a million bucks. Uh, It cost myself $100,000 and Jack Benberg $100,000. But, yeah, so that was was hard to get over. And then fast forward to 1997 with – Ten years later, with uh, Touch Gold, I was very confident going into the race because he had a horrendous trip in the in the Preakness. He stumbled, went on his head, leaving the gate. I don't know how I stayed on him. I've never been on a horse that stumbled that bad and stay on his back. I usually go flying over his head, but I was able to right myself once he righted himself, and um, and then he started. He was a speed horse. We thought he was going to be in front. But when he stumbled so badly, he was last going into the first turn, and he passed 
a lot of horses going down the backside with me having a handful of horse. We got to between the 516th pole and quarter pole, and I was trying to get through on Freehouse with Kent DeSormo, and he squeezed me, and we brushed up against the rail, and uh, he ended up finishing evenly. He only got beat a length and a half for the whole thing, and, and probably, not probably, he definitely should have won the Preakness. Had he not stumbled, he, he would have won the Preakness. So going into the Belmont, because of that incident, I was extremely confident in his talent, and uh, he broke a little slowly coming out of the one hole, uh, going into the turn. Jerry Bailey was on the other half of the entry, a horse called Wild Rush, and Jerry was staying out off the rail, and Touch Gold was basically running off with me. And I moved up inside Wild Rush and took the lead going into the turn, And uh, or after we got into the turn. And once Touch Gold got about a length in front, he pricked his ears and he slowed right down. Uh, he came right back to me and rated beautifully. And then uh, Gary Stevens and Kent DeSormo were laying third and fourth, respectively. They felt me slowing the pace down, and they didn't want that to happen. So they went ahead and just kind of quickened their horses a little bit. And uh, then Wild Rush quickened as well. So those three horses picked up the pace, and I felt it. And I just sat against Touch Gold. Everybody thought I took him back off of those horses, but... In, really, in reality, I simply didn't let him pick up the pace at that point. That was turning down the backside. And so those three horses, I went from first to fourth in about a sixteenth of a mile. And I had it in my head that Silver Charm is a dogged fighter, and he's very difficult to get by when you run right up alongside of him. So I had it in my head. I wanted to, if I had the opportunity, to get way away from him yeah. in hopes that he wouldn't see me coming. And, uh, so when I turned for home, I moved, uh, touch gold out to the middle of the racetrack and got as far away from silver charm as I could. And, uh, everything worked out. It was uh, touch gold ran a super race and, uh, it was very exciting to win. And then when I got back, uh, naturally being in New York, I was getting a lot of booze. <laughs> the fans, the fans were not too happy with Chris McCarron because of the upset. <laughs> well, I, I know that, uh, even, even Nick Zito who, uh, upset Smarty Jones with a uh, birdstone said he really had mixed emotions going into the winner's circle. It's like, God, I'm so happy. I'm a New Yorker. I won the Belmont Stakes. But on the other hand, it's great for racing if there's a triple crown winner, of which I segue into, could we potentially be sitting on a second triple crown in three years with Justify, Chris, in your estimation? I think it's unbelievable. Um, It's really amazing that it took, uh, what, 37 years or whatever it was between Affirmed and American Pharaoh, whatever the number was. <laughs> Ask Steve Cawthon. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, he would probably know it to the day. <laughs> um, I think it's, I think he's going to do it. I really do. He breezed um, yesterday over at Churchill, maybe the day before. Um, he, worked, he went in 46 and – yeah, went in 46 and 2. If you see the video of, of his breeze, it was amazing. I did. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he a looked beast. great. He did that I, so easily, and he was he was way out off the fence and uh, pricking his ears down the backside, and, and the exercise rider just sat on him. He never asked him to run at all. And I was watching his gallop out. He galloped out very strongly. Uh, so that indicates to me that he came out of the Preakness beautifully. He's going to have one more breeze, 
and then I think he ships to Belmont on Wednesday. He's uh, I read that Baffert's going to take doing the same exact schedule training schedule that he did with American Pharaoh, figuring that it worked for him. Hopefully, it'll work for for Justify. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know. Uh, but uh, you know how, now that you're kind of in in the marketing side of racing, how positive a Triple Crown is for our sport. Oh, without question. I was I was there at Belmont with my daughter, my oldest daughter Erin, and some friends. And um, uh, at, when he got to the 16th pole, I told Erin and her friends, I said, "Come on, let's go." We bolted ran through the tunnel at Belmont and onto the racetrack. We got the security didn't stop us or anything. <laughs> and so I was, I was actually, I actually was out on the racetrack when he came back and I was taking videos of him with my phone. And then I crashed the, the winter circle party. I actually got in the winter circle standing <laughs> right beside uh, Jimmy Barnes. <laughs> oh, what so, a great uh, guy. That, that was uh, such a thrill. It, it was amazing. Well, Chris McCarron, what a life you have led. When uh, is your biography coming out? <laughs> I actually have a friend who has written a 2,000-word um, sort of essay article uh, about my career and everything, and, and he's looking to get it published in a, in a magazine. He's waiting for the right time uh, in hopes that you know, there there might be an author out there that feels the 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 article. That's what Laura Hillenbrand did with Seabiscuit. She wrote an article about Seabiscuit, and Gary Ross, who wrote the screenplay, got in touch with her, ex- expecting her to write a book. So Gary Ross got in on the ground floor. He he got he bought the rights to the book before she even finished it, and um, he knew that she had a terrific flair for writing and. And so he was able to accomplish that. Um, about my book, I don't know. It might happen. It might not. But well, uh, before we go, it, it I, should. I, I, I There's wanna... plenty, plenty of good writers right in your neighborhood. A name that comes to mind to me is Milton Toby. This guy's won many awards. He's right there in Georgetown. Uh, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> met Milt. He's a great guy, but man, he's a fantastic writer. Uh, his horse, mm. uh, his book on uh, Shergar. The Mystery of the Famous Irish Champion uh, uh, right. will be coming out yep. soon. I'm going to be talking to him. I have the preview of the book now. Uh, I'm just right. saying, if you need me to put you in connection with somebody like him after this article comes out, let me know, Chris, because you are definitely uh, book-worthy. And should you be mer- movie-worthy, I can't wait to see who's going to play that red-haired, curly kid uh, during your apprentice <laughs> year. <laughs> well, thanks. And, uh, and before we go, I just want to let your audience know that I can be reached for Team Valor at, at uh, my email address is Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at TeamValor.com. That's T-E-A-M-V-A-L-O-R.com. Chris at TeamValor.com. And uh, you can get, it's it's a it's the least risky way to invest in a horse. Uh, you can get in as little as 2.5%. Barry doesn't sell any more than 10% of a horse to any one individual. And uh, you can meet new people, get, you know, you can meet the partners and travel and, and get to see a horse run. And it's a very, very exciting and a lot less risky way to become a horse owner. Yep, I've, I've, I've always in, was in partnerships. I said, it's better to own part of a good horse than all of a bad one. 
Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can put him in connection with a good horse. We've been talking with Chris McCarron again, folks. You can talk to Chris McCarron. You can get a hold of him. Chris at teamvaler.com. Doesn't get any easier than that. He's the right guy for this position. Uh, there's no better spokesman for, for, for racing, and, and there's nobody that will be able to put you in connection right away with a winning team like Team Valor than Chris McCarron. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show. I, I always appreciate it so much. I appreciate the opportunity, John. It's always a, it's always fun talking to you, and and I, I hope our paths cross again soon. The last time I saw you, we were at No New Vocations for their fundraiser. Yes, and, we uh, were. I, I was happy to see you there supporting the cause. Uh, Anna Ford and her team at New Vocations do a great job at rehoming these thoroughbreds, and it's it's a wonderful thing. And I'm glad you were there to support it. Oh yes, uh, they're they're Ohio breads. I gotta support them, you know. That that's my home court now. So, Chris McCarron, thanks a million for being with us. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, don't forget one last time, Chris at TeamValor.com. We're gonna take a quick break, and we come back. We're gonna be talking with Brian Zipsy, who knows all things about the Triple Crown. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
All right, and with me, Brian Zipsy, who's become somewhat of a regular on the show because I love this guy. He is on top of his subject, and as I just told him, he and Matt Schiffman kept me up late last night. I thought I was just going to go on his site and maybe see a five-minute click. Turned out to be about 33 minutes, and I joined every minute of it. As a matter of fact, uh, maybe even seeing uh, Touch Gold Upset Silver Charm, it was a great capitalization of uh, uh, so some of the top Belmont wins and some of the top Belmont upsets as far as the Triple Crown was concerned. Brian Zipsy, how you doing, buddy? John, always good to be on your show. I'm doing well, my friend. Hey, uh, listen, you know, I, I, I know that Horse Racing Nation, you were the original uh, managing partner, and, and, and you're still a, a contributor. You're on there quite often, which I thoroughly enjoy. But uh, I, I know that you've got a second venture in the works, and there, it, just as Chris was trying to bring in new owners uh, through Team Valor, you're trying to do the same three, same thing through your partnership. Can you uh, give me an update on that and uh, what's going on on Saturday? Oh, that's right, John. I appreciate it. Uh, Derby Day Racing, uh, brand new. We uh, we have a website where we're we've really been talking about the Triple Crown a lot. Basically, it's commentary from uh, myself and some of my uh, good friends in the industry. So always interesting reading there on the website. We're looking to do some more things there, but uh, the big thing, of course, is the racing partnership. Chris mentioned it. You know, you you put me on after a living living legend, John. I'm I'm bound <laughs> not to look that good, but uh, we uh, we are looking for partners now. We're buying two-year-olds this year. And, in fact, we have a little open house uh, on the Churchill Downs backstretch workouts and then over at Buff Bradley's Barn Saturday morning. If any of your listeners want to get a late invite, uh, you, they can just email me at derbydayracing at gmail.com. I'll get their name on the list and come out. It should be a great morning. All right. Let me make sure I write that down. Derby Day Racing at, at, at gmail.com. Or they can just go to the website and, of course, my information, my phone number, my email. It's all there, John. So derbydayracing.com. Check us out. And, uh, yeah, late notice, but uh, uh, we'd love to have more people join us Saturday morning. We're, we're uh, talking about the partnership. We're getting to know uh, Buff Bradley's barn, how it works, and some of the horses he already has there. Watch some workouts, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, the weather broke. So if you are uh, in the central Kentucky area, it's supposed to be a pretty nice day. And that'll be a great day to, to go with all the uh, wet weather we've had. And if they go early enough in the morning, they'll get to see uh, uh, Justify get out there and uh, stretch his legs, too. So you can uh, pretty much hit the uh, the daily double. So uh, That's right. Brian, Justify, uh, before he heads out to New York for his date with Destiny, That's that's not such a bad thing either, is it? No, no, not at all. Well, um, tell me now, I, I know that you're saving it for Horse Center uh, next week, but that doesn't mean we can't we can't talk about it before we maybe look at a couple races. Um, your overall view of what has happened so far in the first two jewels of the Triple Crown and what's going to happen in the third, I, I just ran out of time. I could talk to Chris for hours on end, but yeah, <laughs> I wanted to ask him, had he ever ridden in a race as foggy as the Preakness stakes? That was bizarre world. Now the track announcer did a great job because he saw good magic and justify going into the cloud and he kind of milked 
that as much as he could for about a sixteenth of a mile until they finally popped out in, in vision again. Yeah, that's right. A, a, a strange race. And, you know, I, I don't think it's ever happened where the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness have both been run on sloppy tracks. You know, we're, 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 we're on the precipice of, of three straight sloppy tracks for the Triple Crown. Justify would be the Sultan of Swat. Uh, Sultan of Slop, John, if he, if he won the Triple <laughs> the Crown in three sloppy races. I love races. that. I love uh, you, that. I, I trademarked it, so if you're going to use it, you know, the royalties uh, go to Zipsy at the track here. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm hoping <laughs> for a fast track. I think the sun has to shine on this Triple Crown sooner or later. And uh, Belmont, we're, we're looking at the weather. It looks, it looks like there's a good chance at least for a fast track. So that'll be nice. And, and it kind of, I think it answers some questions. Justify's been terrific uh, in the first two legs. I, I think he was clearly the best here at Churchill Downs uh, when he ran that fast first quarter, got perfect position, and no one really pressured him. And then, you know, probably the second best three-year-old Colt uh, took the race to him in the Preakness. You know, and it might not have been a design of Chad Brown's trainer, Chad Brown, to send good magic, but uh, uh, Ortiz, uh, you know, saw the opportunity. They weren't running real fast early. Good magic broke well. Took the race to uh, justify all the way around. And that's not easy. That's not easy for, for a lightly raced horse going a mile three sixteenths to have that kind of pressure. I don't think he ran as well as he did in Churchill, given uh, what he had already uh, been through early in the Preakness. But for him to to kind of put good magic ever so slightly away in the stretch and then have enough to hold off uh, Provazo and Tenfold, of course, uh, it, was, it was another big performance. And uh, it's hard to knock this horse. And, John, it's sure hard to knock what his trainer has accomplished in all three legs of the Triple Crown in the last 20-plus years. Yeah, I mean, uh, Baffert's been unbelievable. But there are still hurdles to overcome. Uh, well, he overcame the curse of Apollo, but still the fact that he comes into the Belmont with a limited, albeit stellar, resume. Uh, the fact that there were a lot of questions about a scat daddy being able to get a mile and a quarter, and he overcame that. Uh, and so now we're asking... Uh, a scat daddy and a horse coming out of what was a very tough race to go a mile and a half. But when you saw him two days ago work in the morning, you would have thought it was his first workout of the year. He, he was, he was fresh as a spring dandelion. He looked fantastic. Yeah. He's a physical specimen to be sure. And, and I really do compare him a lot to Baffert's triple crown winner three years ago. American Pharaoh was a horse who, who was smart. He's a smart athlete, a smart runner. He knew how not to use himself too much during the race. He could put himself on the lead like he did in the Belmont when there really wasn't much pressure, or he could come just a little bit off the pace and justify seems to be very much a similar type of horse, maybe even more burly and strong and athletic than American Pharaoh was, but that same type of horse who, you know, can sit off the pace if need be, or can take that lead if the opportunity arises, uh, I, I expect him to get a good trip in the Belmont. I think there will be a little bit more pace pressure maybe than was put on American Pharaoh a few years ago. And I think that makes his job difficult. You know, everybody saw the Preakness where if they ran another 50 yards, who knows if he would have won. 
So, I mean, there are some questions, and, and, and you talk about the pedigree a little bit. There are horses in the Belmont that I would say, I would pinpoint and say, boy, these look more like a mile-and-a-half horses to me than Justified does. But having said that, Justified's obviously a rare talent. Like you said, he's looking great. He's flourishing still, thriving, even though all he's been through in three months. So, you know, as, as a handicapper in the odds, I know Justify's going to be three to five, four to five. I'm going to try to beat him, and, and I have a little bit of confidence that it can be done, but I certainly uh, wouldn't mind to see another Triple Crown winner, and obviously the, the, this horse has a big shot to do it. Well, you think about the three guys laying in the wings that probably have the most potential of upsetting him. You've got Bill Mott with Hofberg that everybody said, okay, he's fresh, he's going to send him in the Derby, but this is a Belmont horse. We'll find out. He took him up north, back to Saratoga. He's been taking it easy with him. But, again, I do believe one that could easily be bred uh, for uh, the Belmont stakes. I think anybody, of course, with Tampa bloodlines, uh, what has he won? Three of the last five Belmont stakes, uh, sons of his. Uh, Then you've got, you know – uh, you've got uh, D. Wayne Lucas with Bravazo, and then you've got Steve Asmussen with the photo finish, third place finisher uh, in in the Preakness Stakes. I mean, think of the three guys that are going to be chasing Baffert's horse and, and how experienced they are and how well, with the exception of uh, Mott's horse, uh, who he just immediately said, nope, we're bringing him to Saratoga. We're going to let him get his head together, relax, you know, race him to go a mile and a half. Whereas the other two, they were flat flying in the Preakness. Yeah, you, you know, I would add to that list. Uh, no one's talking about Gronkowski, the, the European invader. Oh, thank you. Uh, You're right. You're right. Yes, yes. He's with Chad Brown. And, and then a horse I really like a lot for the Belmont is Vino Rosso with Todd Pletcher. So line them up, Chad Brown, Todd Pletcher, D. Wayne Lucas, Bill Mott, and wow. Steve Asmussen, and you got Murderer's Row going against the best modern trainer of, of our time here, Bob Baffert. So, uh, yeah, the, these horses should be uh, taught well and prepared well for a run at the Triple Crown or to stop a Triple Crown. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned Hofberg, and the other one I want to mention is Vino Rosso, as horses I think are truly a mile-and-a-half horses. You know, in this day and age, it's, it's harder and harder to say that, but I think it stands out more when you have horses that, that really do want to run the distance. And to me, everything I've seen, Hofberg and Vino Rosso, they both look like horses that will be uh, uh, picking up the pieces or not slowing down as, as they get to that 11th and 12th furlong. And that's huge, you know, justifies the best horse in this race. There can be no doubt about that. But uh, the best horse, uh, as we've seen, John, there's been 13 horses uh, between Affirmed winning the Triple Crown and American Pharaoh winning the Triple Crown that uh, went into the Belmont as, as clear favorites and they fell short. And more often than not, it was the distance, really, that got them. And, and I think that could happen to justify, too. Best horse wins at 10 furlongs, maybe 12 furlongs at Belmont. Uh, he gets short late, and horses like Hofberg or Vino Rosso uh, can come and get him. So we'll see, but it should be fun to watch. 
Well, we'll tune in to Horse Center next week and uh, uh, see what uh, you and uh, Matt Schiffman come up with. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at some of the races. I only got four minutes left, but I always like to get your input as a seasoned handicapper. Uh, These are uh, going to Penn National. I did pull up the weather report. It's supposed to be 76 and a good chance of rain. So we could be talking about a, a softer yielding uh, turf course. Uh, of course, everything I've been reading this week, the standout in here, Maraud, he's the only two-time graded stakes winner in the field, was nominated for the Triple Crown, trained by Pletcher, and Johnny V will be in town, not just for the cheese stakes at Penn National. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and if it is a wet uh, yielding or soft turf course at Penn National, that only probably makes Maraud uh, a more likely winner coming off that uh, nice race at Churchill Downs where he won uh, uh, on a wet turf course here. Maraud is the horse to beat. And, and if you look, uh, he's 5-2 to two on the morning line. I think he'll be lower than that. Uh, if you look at the Penn, Penn National Oaks for the Phillies the same day, uh, I think there's another one in there as well that looks awfully tough. Her name is uh, The Way I Am, a uh, French import for uh, Grand Motion. Yes. So both of those, both of those look imposing for sure. The most interesting horse uh, of the two races that, to beat the favorites, I think, comes in the, the bigger one, the Derby. Uh, Hawkish is, is a uh, JJ Toner, and and I think uh, probably a lot of the audience doesn't know JJ Toner, but he's been a trainer I've been following on the turf for 20 years. Love Toner on the grass, and uh, Hawkish is a lightly raced horse who I think has a world of potential. Uh, he's coming off a, a nice win uh, in New York, and I think he's a horse who is going to be a real uh, powerhouse on the turf down the line. Whether he can beat Maraud here, you know, it's it's in question. But I think if uh, one of them six to five and the other one's six to one, it's worth taking a shot uh, shot with the uh, six horse Hawkish uh, in the uh, in the Derby. All right, Brian, I got live radio. I got a minute left. It's tough. Got to go to the grade one beholder mile. Short field. Unique Bella, as you know, just came unglued after the gates opened in the apple blossom. Is it redemption redemption time, or is there such talent in there as Paradise Woods and Valdori that there could be another upset on the horizon? This horse has been odds on and seven times in her last seven races, Unique Bella. Yeah, she she uh, she pulls in the money for sure, and, and and she's an impressive, imposing filly on the track, and and both physically. Uh, unfortunately, I don't like this race as a betting race, John. I I see the three favorites, the, the three horses, and, and the uh, the second and third choice I think are more dependent on getting the lead uh, to themselves. Uh, Paradise Woods and Valdori Valdori's uh, returning in here, so I. I think it does set up a little bit for Unique Bella to sit third and pounce and, and win the race. So it looks like kind of a favorite over a favorite exact or even trifecta in here. It should be fun to watch because these are three grade one quality mares, Unique Bella, Paradise Woods, and yeah. Valdori, but uh, it, it kind of does set up for Unique Bella. 
All right. We've been talking with Brian Zipsy. Brian, I want to thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing your final Belmont picks on Horse Center and Horse Racing next, uh, Nation next week. Also want to thank Hall of Famer Chris McCarron for joining us. I want to thank my producer, A-Rod, for keeping me on track and not letting me go over. And I want to thank you all for coming to winningponies.com and pulling down those easy win forms that makes winning big long shots and big money very easy at the races. For everybody at Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. When you come to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.